Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Cruise nightmare, the near disaster off Norway. It's proven by their own statistics. The hazard perception test, how it could reduce crashes and save ICBC money. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Sunday. Many BC families are in the middle of spring break plans, including enjoying getaways. But travel experts say anyone planning to take a flight this summer should brace themselves for sticker shock. As Grace Key reports, you can blame the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX planes. With Boeing 737 MAX jets still grounded and summer vacation just around the corner, passengers could see prices jacked up during the peak travel season. Travel costs will go up significantly in this summer. Uh, especially in Canada. Air Canada operates 24 Boeing 737 MAX 8s. They've been grounded until at least July 1st. The airline has been substituting the MAX 8s with other planes while also suspending some routes. American Airlines is cancelling 90 flights a day through April 24th, saying the move will avoid last-minute flight cancellations. You try to book other airlines where they, they don't have the many 737 MAX. However, all of these airlines will be jacking up the prices because they know there will be shortage of seats. Meanwhile, Boeing is making flight control software and pilot training changes. Investigators believe faulty data from a sensor in the stall prevention system ultimately caused the nose of the Lion plane to repeatedly push down, causing the fatal crash that killed 189 people in Indonesia last October. I think if software can fix the problem, it won't be very long. But if the FAA deems that there is a connection between the heavier engines and the CFG and those engines have to be moved, that will be months and months. Some safety experts suggest the software could still go through revisions and government regulators in other countries will conduct their own evaluations. So it could still take months before the planes are back in the air. Grace Key, Global News. Now to the travel nightmare story that's making headlines around the world. A Norwegian rescue agency releasing this dramatic video of passengers being airlifted from the Viking Sky cruise ship off the coast of Norway. The stricken vessel, with about 1,300 people, including 15 Canadians on board, ran into trouble during stormy weather. The crew sending out a mayday call for help. Mike Armstrong has the latest. For some of those on board the Viking Sky for its harrowing ordeal, it was when safely on shore that the tears started flowing. Were we afraid during the night? Absolutely. But when we hit land, it was like, we're going to be okay, and that's when we got emotional. Now, there were dozens of injuries, from cuts and bruises to broken bones. Twenty people had to be taken to hospital. But there was a time on board when no one knew if the ship would make it, when its four engines failed Saturday around lunchtime, the Viking sky was out of control. 
this point, rocking back and forth, the ship was being pounded by 70 kilometer an hour winds and tossed around by waves eight meters high. It was so bad, the seas so rough, the lifeboats couldn't be used. Get that on video. Some passengers say they were waiting to see if the ship would capsize, sink, or run aground. We could see that we were getting blown in towards some rocks. That was the most frightening thing, I think. According to police, the ship came within 100 meters of running ashore. It was very nearly a disaster. Instead, at the last minute, some of the engines appear to have come back online. The ship moved away from shore and dropped anchor. Six helicopters were moved in to pull passengers off the ship. They did it over and over, rescuing nearly 500 people. The guy came down from the helicopter, snapped my belt and said, hold it, and shot me up about 100 feet in the air and onto the helicopter. They didn't leave us enough time to be as scared as we probably should have been. Right. (laughs) The ship was eventually tugged to safety, pulled into the port city of Mold. Now come the questions. What happened to the Viking Sky's engines, but also what was it doing out during such rough weather? According to Norwegian media reports, there were other ships whose captains had decided the forecast was too dangerous. Whatever happened, the ship's not going anywhere for a while. The company says passengers will start being flown home tomorrow. That includes 15 Canadians. And the Viking Sky's next voyage has been cancelled. Mike Armstrong, Global News. To the Whistler area now, where a person has died in an apparent fall. It happened on Decker Mountain, close to Blackcomb. The mountain is popular with backcountry skiers and other outdoor enthusiasts. The coroner is investigating, but so far there are no details on what went wrong. The victim's name has not been released. More evidence now of how every B.C. community is struggling to cope with the homelessness crisis. The district of Tofino was shocked to find out the local hospital is also being used as an emergency shelter for the homeless. Tanya Beja has that story. Doctors at Tofino General Hospital are sounding the alarm. We are getting an increasingly number of people that present to the hospital asking to spend the night. People who are not in need of emergency care but can't find a place to sleep in town are turning up more often at the hospital. We have patients that come in um, that we are providing accommodation for essentially and and food that don't need them sort of there's no medical need we admit them for social reasons. I think I was not aware of the true extent of the situation. Tofino Mayor Josie Osborne says the tourist hotspot has long faced housing challenges both in terms of supply and affordability but the hospital doubling as a homeless shelter a relatively new phenomenon. People are doing the best they can to try to find housing for their workers or to find housing altogether, but we're experiencing this at almost all levels of society, from the more vulnerable parts of our population to frontline tourism workers to even professionals who themselves cannot find adequate, suitable or affordable housing in Tofino. Tofino doesn't have a shelter, but received half a million dollars from the province to build housing on district-owned land, the kind of project Mayor Osborne says she wants to see more of. It is challenging and it is not something that can be done alone. And the partnership that we need with senior levels of government, with nonprofit and private developers, with homeowners, uh, with BC Housing, for example, those are the things that we, we've got to face all together and, and come up with a solution. Tanya Beja, Global News. In Prince George, a 17-year-old girl is accused of being impaired while behind the wheel following a serious crash this weekend. Police say a pickup truck crashed at the intersection of highways 97 and 16 early Saturday. 
All three female occupants were seriously hurt. One is in critical condition. Police say the teen driver now faces a charge of impaired driving causing bodily harm. Police are looking to speak with any witnesses to the crash. They also praise the bystanders who tried to help the injured, including two off-duty nurses. In an effort to reduce young driver crash rates, ICBC is taking a look at computer technology that's already part of driver testing in the UK. As Kristen Robinson reports, research has shown it could potentially save hundreds of lives every year. Emergency vehicles, pedestrians crossing traffic, and street hockey. Just a few of the hazards drivers must steer clear of. ICBC now researching hazard perception, training and testing to see how it would work to reduce crashes and curb claims costs. Well, I think ICBC is on the right track. The best way to reduce crashes and to reduce their financial liability is with education. A red flag will appear at the bottom of the screen. Hazard perception tests already part of the driver testing process in the UK, New Zealand and Australia. New drivers required to identify potential hazards in a series of videos in time to avoid a crash. Click when you see a hazard start to develop. BC's Child Death Review Panel studied the crash deaths of 106 young drivers between 2004 and 2013. A key recommendation to review the graduated licensing program, which requires drivers complete a 12-month learner's and 24-month novice stage before becoming eligible for a full license. It has reduced young driver deaths, but crashes still the leading killer of 15 to 18-year-olds. This yellow circle represents potential hazard. Implementing HPT in BC, seen as the most effective way to enhance graduated licensing. After it was introduced, the UK found an up to 11% reduction in new driver crash rates. The results would be duplicate or perhaps even better. Rather than reinvent the wheel, why don't we just copy a jurisdiction that's got it right? And that's the British. I think if we can learn from what's happening there and implement those kinds of uh, initiatives here in BC, I think that's a very positive step forward. ICBC assessing options and says it's too soon to say when we could see hazard perception included in BC driver testing. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing today that a by-election will be held in Nanaimo Ladysmith on May 6th. That federal riding has been vacant since January 7th after Sheila Malcolmson resigned to run successfully for the B.C. NDP. The Nanaimo Ladysmith vote will be the fourth federal by-election so far this year, after three were decided in February. Our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, if history is any indication, this could be a tight race. Yeah, in 2015, Jordan, this was one of the tightest races in the entire country. In fact, a genuine four-way race with all four parties uh, being fairly close together in terms of the results. So here's the results from 2015. The NDP, of course, won that riding, but not by much. Ten points is significant. The other parties did well as well. Uh, Liberals and Conservatives effectively tied there. The Green Party, though, had a very good showing, almost 20% there. Who knows what's going to happen on May 6th, but obviously that vote there, Jordan tells me, a very fickle electorate in that riding. That riding, of course, created for the first time in 2015 with chunks taken from two other writings, one held by the Conservatives, one held by uh, the NDP. So uh, Justin Trudeau, very much uh, part of the uh, campaign going forward, expect him to show up in that writing from time to time between now and May 6th. And he has a campaign stop tonight on the Lower Mainland, right? 
Yeah, he's going to a nomination meeting in Vancouver, Kingsway. That's traditionally a very strong NDP riding, so it's interesting uh, he's going to pay his visits to that one. Then tomorrow morning, he's going to be out in Maple Ridge. That's a riding the Liberals won unexpectedly in 2015, albeit by a narrow margin of about 1,300 votes. So he's there to shore up support for the local candidate there. And then what do you know? He's back over here to the island to visit the riding of Nanaimo Ladysmith to meet with the local candidate there. Again, the first of what I think will be several visits by Justin Trudeau to that riding. Clearly, I know Todd Talking to senior liberal people in Ottawa, they think that riding comes into play in the election in the fall. They think it's one they could put in their camp. We'll see. All right, we will watch. Thank you, Keith. All right. Metro Vancouver farmers and the opposition, BC Liberals, rallied in Surrey this afternoon, speaking out against the impact of laws that they say is stopping them from making a go of their farms. But the provincial government says they're only ensuring land meant for farming is not being developed. Paul Johnson reports. There is a way of life under attack here. In case you thought Mike DeYoung had wandered off into the wilderness of opposition, just try telling him what he's allowed to build on his farm in the Fraser Valley. I have a bias. I have a bias. With the NDP government's move to crack down on the building of massive homes on farmland for speculation, the B.C. Liberals have found an issue they say reveals clumsy government overreach. Nearly 100 B.C. farmers turned out at a rally Sunday to back them up. The NDP are taking away their basic property rights and determining their future on the farm. Check out this mega mansion rising in a blueberry field here in South Surrey. The farmers who are part of this movement point out that where this has been a problem, it's mostly been near Vancouver. So for the government to come up with new rules telling farmers province-wide what they can and cannot do on their own land they say is just overkill. And we bought that farm on Matsqui Prairie. But DeYoung's turn as the fighting farmer has prompted the NDP to say the B.C. Liberals are spreading misinformation. Minister of Agriculture Lana Popham told Global News Sunday that over the past 15 years we've seen the ALR being used as a land bank for development instead of a land Canada. bank for food security. Canada was built on farmers. To those farmers who came out in Surrey, though, the question is whether people who work in offices in Victoria know more about food security than they do. Paul Johnson, Global News. Welcome back. Today marks exactly 28 years since Michael Dunahy disappeared. And this morning, hundreds turned out to support his family in their search for closure. This shocked the community, not just our community here, but across Canada and across the world. Victoria Police Chief Del Manick kicking off the annual Keep the Hope Alive run in Esquimalt. The event honors Michael Dunahee while raising money for Child Find BC. This year's event held on a somber anniversary, 28 years to the day Michael vanished from a Victoria playground. He was just four years old. Today he'd be 32. His disappearance sparking one of the largest police investigations in Canadian history. Victoria Police have received more than 11,000 tips in the cold case. Still, what happened to Michael remains a mystery. This has been an active investigation for the Victoria Police Department for 28 years. We have one common goal, and that is to find Michael Donaghy uh, in whatever way that is. And we know that there are people who would have first-hand knowledge that can assist us in locating Michael. 28 years later, we're still looking for Michael because we, we strongly believe that someone out there knows what happened that day and we, we just want them to come forward and, and give us some closure. 
We are hearing tonight from a friend of a Vernon man who managed to survive getting caught in an avalanche at Silver Star Resort earlier this week. Nathan Fisher was in bounds when the slide swept him away, leaving him with severe injuries. Jules Knox reports. Minutes after Nathan Fisher finished this snowman at Vernon Silver Star Mountain on Wednesday, he was swept away by an avalanche. Before you know it, it boarded above his head. The snow was just taking him down. Tyler Williams watched as Fisher disappeared over a ridge, dragged into the trees by a wave of snow, logs, and boulders. Behind it is just exposed dirt and rock now. Like, as it's going, there's, like, nothing underneath. It's just rock. Williams started sprinting down the mountain, finding his friend buried in the snow. He was conscious but severely injured. He was kind of he was wrapped around a, a tree, and there was just a, a, a lot of blood pouring out of him and all behind him in the snow. The experienced snowboarders were inbounds on a double black diamond run, but there was no cell service, so they had to wait as nearby skiers scrambled to contact Ski Patrol. That was when the second avalanche came, followed by a third. One must have happened 100 feet or so away, and another one happened, and it basically slid about five feet from where we were still waiting and, and, and trying to... <laughs> trying to survive, and we both thought uh, that that might have taken us both out. But help arrived, and William says Fisher was helicoptered to hospital about three hours after the avalanche first happened. He's pretty banged up. You know, he, he's broken bones, he's broken ribs, he's got a collapsed lung. Um, he had some facial construction in his face. Silver Star says it's since brought in avalanche experts to keep a close eye on conditions. You know, the change of, of, uh, of snowpack at the time, um, it, it happened very quickly. So we're, we're assessing the risk as we go forward and, and uh, you know, always taking the safety of our guests to the highest level of importance. Fisher's friends say he's in good spirits but faces a long road to recovery. They're now fundraising to help cover his living costs and physiotherapy as he heals. Jules Knox, Global News, Vernon. An intersection on Highway 33 east of Kelowna was overwhelmed by spring runoff last night. The Joe Rich Fire Department says water flowed down a hillside, filled a ditch and spilled water and mud onto the highway. Traffic was reduced to single lane with sporadic closures to allow crews to clear the highway, which fully reopened this morning. The first licensed pot shop in Williams Lake is now open on land, owned by the local First Nations band. The Indigenous Bloom retail cannabis store is the result of community engagement and consultation with First Nations elders. The store's legal marijuana supply will be grown and produced on First Nations reserves in Chilliwack and in the Okanagan. All the cannabis will meet Health Canada's standards in terms of testing and product control. The Williams Lake Indian Band is employing locals and its chief is also on the store's board of directors. Right now there's 11 full-time 11 full jobs in this store and we're only going to grow the business from there. And we, we talk about an economy in Williams Lake that um, is resource-based, mining, forestry. Now, I mean, how do we diversify that economy? And this is one of the ways. I mean, this is an industry that we wanted to get a foothold in right away. 
Vaughn and Barry join us now. And a bit cooler this weekend than last weekend, but still above average, right? Yes, and we saw a bit more cloud cover yeah. through the day today. Uh, but there is a bit of a blip in the forecast, and I'll have more of the timeline. But look at some of those numbers. So with the cloud cover for many areas, a look at our temperatures today. We only got up to 10 out of the airport, 12 for areas near Victoria. Interior regions for Kamloops up to 15 in areas near Prince George at 10. Now, for the beginning of the work week, we are tracking, or for spring break for many still, we are tracking the return for some wet weather. It'll be uh, quite quick, a quick-moving system, so that's the good news, and I'll have more on the timing and how much rain we can expect coming up shortly. But the rumor is the long-range forecast looks fantastic, fantastic. So just this little blip that we get, need to get through. All right, well, stay tuned for that. Canucks in action tonight, and some drama in tennis. Uh, yeah, lots going on in in uh, all that. Yeah, yeah, Canucks are they still mathematically alive for the playoffs? Yes, they are. The math doesn't look good though, no matter where you put the numbers. So I guess they're still alive. They do play Columbus tonight, and that's uh, a game Columbus really needs as well. Uh, the Canadian national soccer team was at BC Place this afternoon. They scored a lot of goals, which is nice to see from our young men. We'll show you that. And almost uh, everyone's NCAA bracket almost blew up across the world, uh, but Duke barely s- survives. We'll have that. And you mentioned the tennis. Uh, some good news, some bad news for Canada, but uh, lots going on. Jam Pack Sports Cat. A manhunt is underway in southern Ontario for the suspects behind a brazen kidnapping in Markham this weekend. Police say four men entered a parking garage last night and waited for Wen Jin Liu. Just after 6 p.m., the 22-year-old walked through the garage with a female friend. Security cameras show the Chinese national who's studying in Toronto being repeatedly shocked with a stun gun. He is then stuffed into the back of a black wheelchair-accessible van. Police say the rear license plate was stolen earlier this month. This type of thing does not happen frequently at all. So this is a very safe community, and we need to find these suspects to ensure the safety of the community. I don't know, I'm kind of scared to live in this building right now because I thought it's kind of the, one of the most safest place around. But right now I'm kind of feeling a little scared. Police say Lou's friend was traumatized but not hurt. A Quebec couple has been found dead in Florida and their deaths are considered suspicious. Police were called to a trailer park about 45 minutes north of Miami on Friday. Neighbors of Mark and Rita Gagne became concerned after not seeing the elderly couple for several days. Their bodies were found inside their home. Police are now investigating this as a double homicide. So far, no arrests have been made. U.S. President Donald Trump is claiming complete and total exoneration after a summary of a report by special counsel Robert Mueller into alleged Russian collusion was released to Congress today. But while the report concludes the president may not have committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Attorney General William Barr released a letter summarizing the findings of Robert Mueller's investigation. The four-page letter reads, The special counsel's investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Barr's letter also says Mueller looked into possible obstruction of justice charges against President Trump. The direct quote reads, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. The special counsel deferred to the Justice Department to make that determination. Barr says he and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein decided the evidence is not sufficient to establish the president obstructed justice. It was a complete and total exoneration. 
It's a shame that our country had to go through this. Even before this letter was made public, Democrats were calling for the entire Mueller report to be released. If we have to, yes, we will certainly issue subpoenas to get that information. Mueller's team brought charges against 34 individuals, including former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort and former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. But as the president's supporters noted, none of the former campaign associates were accused of colluding with the Kremlin to influence the election. Other things that have happened, people who've done things wrong, they're going to be held accountable for that. That's the way it's supposed to work in this great country. And that's, but, but on the central issue, no evidence whatsoever. Barr writes he'll release as much of Mueller's report as he can under the law. Natalie Brand, CBS News, Capitol Hill. The government in Dubai issuing a rare public statement today denying claims embattled singer R. Kelly has plans to perform there. Kelly is seeking permission from an Illinois judge to travel to the United Arab Emirates, saying he was booked for concerts there next month. His lawyer saying he had a signed contract with a legitimate promoter, but Dubai's government says that's not true. Kelly was charged last month with 10 counts of aggravated sexual abuse for allegedly assaulting three girls and a woman. Allegations he denies. Some remarkable footage now of one of Earth's largest creatures. This video of a sperm whale was shot off Dominica recently. Explorers saying their study is helping to unlock secrets of the deep, including the first recording of a sperm whale hunting for a squid. The whales hunt at depths of nearly 400 meters. The video was shot for an Animal Planet TV series slated for next year. And an albino penguin made his debut at a zoo in Poland. Staff say the shy white chick is the only known albino penguin in the world right now. He was born in December but needed veterinary care because he's susceptible to disease and rejection from his peers. So far, the white penguin's only companions are his parents and two other peaceful adult penguins. He looks a bit like a seagull, Yvonne. Yes, and he's still very cute. Yes, he is. He's very cute. All right, uh, despite the cloud cover that we've been seeing today, we are starting to see a beautiful picture of some of the cherry blossoms now uh, blooming across uh, Metro Vancouver. So here's a great shot that was sent in uh, from Shayla in Vancouver and some sunshine. More sunny breaks were in the interior today. Areas near Peachland, so thank you, Rod, for sending us in that photo. A shot of what it looks like outside right now. This is a science world. We've got a fair bit of cloud cover. We're seeing that out of the airport with the temperature at 10 and a southerly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Temperatures today, we did get into the double digits, but not quite record-breaking in comparison to last week. A record on this day would be 16 degrees set back in 1960. Current numbers right now, we're ready into the single digits for areas near Whistler at 9, 12 for Hope, areas near Victoria at 11, and Tofino currently sitting at 7 degrees. Williams Lake at 10, the Peace single digits at 7, and Bella Coola currently sitting at 15 degrees. We have more breaks across the island. We'll see some breaks for Metro Vancouver. That'll be for the morning hours, so there is a clearing this evening just in between the next system, but this is the weather maker that we're tracking, and this is going to push in late for the afternoon tomorrow, and most of the moisture will be heavier at times by the evening. By tomorrow afternoon, it is a chance of showers. We'll see more cloud cover, and by tomorrow evening and our Tuesday morning is where we're seeing rain on on and off throughout the day. It'll be unsettled on Tuesday and then it breaks up once again on our Wednesday. Some of the higher amounts as we take a look at the rainfall totals will be for the western sections of the island.
Island near Tofino, areas along the Sunshine Coast and stretching in towards the Fraser Valley. Here's a glance though for tomorrow for the piece with temperatures just hovering the freezing mark. For the morning hours, it's a chance of flurries and then changing over to a chance of showers. White horse with a partly cloudy sky, temperatures up to 9 and along the north coast, sunny and dry over the next three days. Fantastic with temperatures up to 12 tomorrow. Caribou and Central Interior, we're looking at a partly cloudy sky, moisture moving in in the form of rain for Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenay region will still see unsettled conditions over the next two days with a chance of showers. The Thompson Okanagan will see the moisture moving in for the afternoon and evening. Showers on Tuesday, a clearing on your Wednesday, and areas near Whistler over the next two days. We are looking at showers. Rain will push in by the evening hours for tomorrow. And along the island, we'll start to see uh, the increase in cloud cover by the afternoon. But it is going to be a nice bright and dry start across Metro Vancouver and the south coast for the early morning hours. Showers late in the afternoon, rain towards the evening tomorrow. Rain for our Tuesday if you are making plans, especially for those on spring break. But then it clears up and it's the long-range forecast. Wednesday onwards and potentially all the way in towards next weekend. We'll hang on to that sunshine. For tomorrow, we're still getting up to a high of 12 degrees. Jordan? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. You'll likely be seeing Purple Nets at basketball courts across Metro Vancouver. It is the third annual Purple Nets campaign by Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver. Over the next month, for every person who volunteers, a Purple Net will be hung on an empty hoop. Big Brothers helps more than 1,200 children across the Lower Mainland. But with a wait list of more than two years, more volunteers are desperately needed. We're hoping to have as many volunteers as possible. We're encouraging everyone to sign up. We're looking for volunteers of all genders. So we are looking for big brothers, game on volunteers, in-school mentors. And yeah, we have kids that are literally telling us they need a mentor. So we need people to sign up. Breaking news, a heavy police and fire presence after a fire at a West End apartment building. The Vancouver Fire Department says they were called to a small fire on the 15th floor. They were able to knock it down without it spreading to other suites. No one was hurt, but several people are now being questioned by police. A neighbor tells Global that officers entered the building carrying weapons and in full gear just after 6 o'clock tonight. The building is in the 1600 block of Harrow Street in the West End. We have reached out to Vancouver Police for further details, and we'll bring you more information when we have it. Right now, over to Barry and Sports, Mm -hmm. starting with the Canucks. Thank you very much, Jordan. Yeah, let's get right to it. The uh, Canucks 3-1 loss to the Flames last night means they pretty much have to run the table in their final seven to have any chance to make the playoffs. Let's face it, they're not going to make it, but they wanted to play meaningful games down the stretch this year for their young players, and they've done that. The games have been intense, and the Canucks have battled hard, but they're just a little overmatched at this stage. Tonight, they face another team hungry for points, John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets, who are three points out of the final playoff spot in the East. So let's check out some action tonight. Avalanche and Blackhawks, Colorado. Currently in the final playoff spot, lead Arizona and Minnesota by a single point, and they're off to a good start. They beat the Hawks yesterday, and the only goal coming on that deflection from Alex Kerfoot on the Tyson Berry shot. one nothing Colorado in the second, so the Avs making a nice push for that playoff spot. Coyotes and Islanders, Arizona's lost four straight, but Rick Tockett's team just a point behind the Avs for the last playoff spot. First period, I'll strike first. Jordan Eberle on the rebound with his 15th. New York battling the Capitals and Penguins for first in the Metropolitan, so they've got a lot to play for. Still 1-0 in the third. Michael Grabner in alone, stopped by Robin Lehner, and then 
Ryan Lehner makes another save off Brad Richardson. Two former Canucks with golden opportunities, but the Isles hand the Coyotes a fifth straight loss. Not looking good for Arizona as they fall 2-0 to New York. All right, in the East, Habs and Hurricanes, they own the two wild card spots right now. Canadians three points up on Columbus for the final spot. First period, Paul Byron chips it in. one nothing. Canadians in front, and that goal stood up for a long time because Carey Price was dialed in. Fantastic. Tavo Taravainen on the breakaway, but Price stretching there. He made a number of great saves. It looked like the Habs were going to take it, but just uh, moments ago, Trevor Van Riemsdyk shot, hit something in front. Van Riemsdyk's goal for now, 1-1, and that's where they stand very late in the third period in Carolina. Well, it seems Canada's men's national team has a bright future in soccer. Let's face it, it's been a dysfunctional last quarter century for the men's side. But with new coach John Herdman and an array of young, exciting players, perhaps there's some joy in the future for the men's program. Today at BC Place, Canada took on French Guiana in a CONCACAF Nations League qualifier. No Alfonso Davies, unfortunately, out with a knee injury, but this is a match Canada should win easily without him. First game for Canada at BC Place since 2016. Solid support for the lads. Canada certainly has more firepower than ever before. They get a great chance early. Lucas Cavallini right on top of the keeper, but can't get it past him. But a bright start for Canada. And then in the 11th minute, Junior Hoylett gives Canada the lead. He's the only Canadian playing in the English Premiership with Cardiff City. And he shows his quality right there, scoring the goal. That's been a problem for Canada for so many years, just trouble finishing, but not anymore. Canada literally gives one back, though. Disaster here. Samuel Piet with the weak ball back to keeper Milan Borjan and Kevin Rahman accepts the gift. A little too cheeky around your own goal. It was costly. That's the first goal Canada has conceded in John Herdman's four-plus matches as national team coach, and he wasn't impressed. But Canada regains the lead. It's how you respond, and they respond nicely. Jonathan David, great ball to Lucas Cavallini, who doesn't miss this time. Uh, that made it 3-1. Uh, to one. Actually, that score came up a little early. Moments later, David will finish one of his own as it makes it 3-1. He's only 19. You can see the quality of finish uh, these young players have. Adds the Davies, and look at the firepower you have. And they weren't done yet. Cavallini heads in his second of the day to make it 4-1 for Canada. One bad thing, unfortunately, and it's Whitecap Russell Tybert, who was subbed in late, goes for a tumble there and appears to have hurt his shoulder or something upper body. Canada wins 4-1, so they do qualify for top six in the CONCACAF Nations League competition. Welcome back. Bianca Andreescu has Canadian tennis fans giddy with excitement. More on her in a moment. But our men are quietly putting in some strong results, too. Three of them are still alive in the third round at the Miami Masters, considered one of the best tournaments in the world. That's not a major, but uh, Milos Raonic finally saw his first action today in Miami after a first-round bye and then winning his second-round match by walkover when his opponent couldn't play due to injury. So the 12th-seeded Milos should have been fresh against Englishman Kyle Edmund. Raonic has always had injury issues, and it flared up again today, even though he's only... This is his first match of the week. Was down a break, tried to fight back. Nice clean return winner there. But uh, Edmund was in fine form. He's a good player. He's the 21 seed, Raonic the 12. And Edmund hammers the winner here to take the opening set 6-4. And in the second set, Milos needed the trainer. As you can see, he's getting physio on the back. And he had trouble moving, not moving well at all. But he does at least fire the forehand winner to stay on serve. Up 4-3. 
in the second, but he was not at his best, and uh, Edmund certainly sensed that. Smelled blood, clean return winner here on the Milos serve. Not only was uh, Milos not 100% serving, but the surface very slow in Miami, so that doesn't help his cause at all. Then match point, and Milos, uh, Milos is out of Miami. Falls in straight set, 6-4, 6-4 to Kyle Edmund of Great Britain. Meanwhile, Felix Auger-Aliassime taking on Poland's Hubert Herkacz, who knocked off Dominic Thiem in his last match. He also beat Shapovalov last week at Indian Wells. He's a good young player. First set tiebreak, though. Felix rips the return on set point, takes it 7-6. They were on serve in the second set, but Felix forced a match point. Now, he thought that was out. The umpire overruled, said it was good. They go to a video review challenge, and it is out. So Felix wins. He is on to the fourth round at Miami. Shapovalov plays his third round match tomorrow. Now, late last night, Bianca Andreescu is back on court in Miami. It's a rematch of last Sunday's Indian Wells final against Angelique Kerber. And these two uh, obviously don't like each other too much. Andreescu uh, unloads the forehand winner, took the first set 6-4. It looked like she would cruise in this one, but she dropped the second set despite being up 4-1. They played into the wee hours of the morning and then... Andreescu rolls, though, to win at 6-1 in the third. And at the net, apparently, a frosty handshake. Kerber called Andreescu a big drama queen for taking a lot of uh, physio timeouts during the match. So we'll see how this rivalry develops. But Andreescu moves on to the next round. All right, March Madness. Top seed Duke taking on Central Florida. Blue Devils with their blue chip freshman Zion Williamson. And, of course, Canada's R.J. Barrett. Duke big favorites, but... UCF was moments away from pulling off the upset, but with 14 seconds left, Williamson with the layup and the foul, so he has a chance to tie it with a free throw. But Zion misses, but there's R.J. Barrett with the offensive board and the putback, and Duke amazingly has the lead, but Central Florida still has time to break everyone's bracket. And this one looks like it's going in, but it stays out. And Duke avoids a major catastrophe, winning by one. They move on to the Sweet 16. Now, Washington Huskies took on Midwest Region number 1 seed North Carolina earlier. Tar Heels right up there with Duke as a team that could win it all. Huskies stayed close in the first half. Noah Dickerson tips it in at the buzzer. Just an eight-point Tar Heel lead at the break, but then UNC took off in the second half. Luke May taking it strong. Some nice ball movement there, 51-36. And then Nasir Little will throw it down, and to nobody's surprise, North Carolina moves on to the final 16, beating the Huskies 81 59. And we'll finish with golf. Final round of the Valspar Championship from Tampa Bay. Bubba Watson, second shot, headed towards the trees, and it gets stuck up in the trees. That doesn't happen very often. It cost Bubba a bogey, posted six under, which got him a tie for fourth. Defending champ Paul Casey, third shot on 14. Got to have a good short game if you're going to win on the PGA Tour, and this is a great shot. Took the lead there. Very tough conditions, though, today at Copperhead. Dry and windy. Not many scores under par. After a Casey bogey, Jason Kokrak had a chance to get into the clubhouse at minus eight and a tie for the lead, but misses his par putt. So he's still looking for his first PGA Tour win. So it's up to Casey. He needs to par the 18th for back-to-back wins at Valspar. Trying to finish in style with a birdie. Looks like he's got it, but it just misses at the end. But it doesn't matter. Taps in for the victory. A one-shot win over Kokrak and Oosthuizen. Nick Taylor was in the top six with four to go, but was four over in his last four holes. Cost him a lot of money, but he finished 24th. Roger Sloan was 60th at plus five 
And the Vancouver Titans Overwatch team, which is, they, they, yeah. they play the video games, which is owned by Canucks. Aquilini and the Canucks, yeah. they're going to the playoffs. Oh, cool. Apparently they won the first segment. The Canucks may not be going. And this is their first season. This is their first season. So the Overwatch team, wow. maybe we should get their GM. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 231. Grouse at 270. Cypress 285. And Sasquatch 225. Fernie with a base of 185. 140 for Manning Park and Whitewater at 208. Big White, a base of 176. Two new centimeters for Silver Star. Sun Peaks, a base of 163. Kicking Horse with one new centimeter, a base of 172. Mount Washington, 194. And Powder King, a base at 275. All the ski season coming to an end. That was our last snow report for the year. Yes. All right. <laughs> People in the Lethbridge area are getting ready for any potential close-ups. A major Hollywood production holding an open casting call today for extras in a new suspense thriller starring an Oscar-winning actor. Academy Award-winning actor Kevin Costner, alongside actress Diane Lane, will be paying Southern Alberta a visit. The pair will be working in an upcoming drama called Let Him Go, based in the early 1960s. For a shot at being cast in this Hollywood production, hundreds of extras lined up outside the community hall in Fort McLeod. I love Kevin Costner's movies. He's awesome. Working alongside Kevin Costner would be so exciting. If I was selected for a role, I'd be overjoyed. It'd be a dream come true. Albertans from all over the region showed up in higher volumes than anticipated. We were expecting maybe about two or 300 people um, throughout the day, through the whole day until 6 o'clock. I think we've surpassed that already. It's a little overwhelming how many people showed up, but it just goes to show how committed we are in our area to filming, and we want to be able to showcase what we've got. And as you can see, there's lots of choices. And in case you didn't know this, the small town of Fort McLeod is no stranger to big productions. It's not the first time we've had a Hollywood movie. We've actually had quite a few. Um, Interstellar, Passchendaele, there's been quite a few films that have come. Brokeback Mountain filmed here as well. Uh, so it's not new for Fort McLeod, but it's one of those things that we take pride in. Aside from welcoming big names on the silver screens, the town is also grateful for the economic benefits. It's great because it gets new people into our community, as well as the filming industry gets a chance to see what we have to offer. So it allows for future engagements as filming locations, as well as all of the film crew, uh, mostly, they patronize our, our businesses as well, and so we get some additional business that way as well. The movie Let Him Go will be filmed in southern Alberta from April 5th to May 17th. Meantime, the extra selected at this particular casting call will only take part in a three-day shoot in Fort McLeod, which will be held on April 10th to the 12th. Christian Khan, Global News. All right, a bit of a blip in the forecast to get through first. Yes, and that'll be uh, for tomorrow. But the good news is it's going to be a nice dry and bright start to the morning. And then by the afternoon and evening, that's when the bulk of the rain will push in. Tuesday is unsettled. And then let's look towards Wednesday onwards. Barry and I always like to say it's sun balls in the forecast <laughs> all the way in. So it's early midweek onwards that we'll see a more bright spot and it'll be warming up as well. All right, we leave you with some incredible video of viewers just sent us. Dolphins swimming off Quadra Island. That's the news hour. Thanks for watching. We're back at 11. Good night.